America. We are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports, Lou Dobbs, Business. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me. Good morning. It is Thursday, May 11th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunny and warm today. High 80. Like that. Tonight, Overnight clear, low 63, and then Friday, it really is going to feel like summer. Sunshine, high 87. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 51 and clear in Patchogue out on Long Island, 47 and clear in Frenchtown, New Jersey, and it's 56 and clear here in Midtown, working our way up 6 o'clock hour, sitting friends in the morning. So much to get to between now and then. Uh, I had my ride into the city this morning, got into a car, driver was very... Very chatty. I can be very chatty, too, so I'm down with that. I know a lot of people don't they just want to sit in the car and not say anything. But at 2.42 in the morning, like these first like six hours of the day are the best hours of my day. It's all downhill for my family when I get home because I'm exhausted. But 2.42 in the morning, if you're talking to me, I can have a conversation with the guys talking about this he's talking about that then he starts talking about uh his love for radio so i'm like do i tell him that i work in radio i'm like nah i just don't want to go there then he goes off the rails and he just starts smashing the he tells me his his favorite and least favorite radio stations so i'm just sort of sitting there okay he's gonna get to my station sure enough he does and he just rails on every single personality on wabc and I mean, from one show to the other, from, you know, starting at uh, 6 a.m., he goes right through the entire day, and he's telling me what he hates about every single host on WABC. And I'm like, duh, do I tell him? But I'm like, he is the guy driving me, and he's telling me how much he hates the radio station. So uh, it was kind of funny because he, I think he had that moment of recognition when we pulled up outside the radio station uh, for the Uber driver app. It tells the driver, it'll say, pull over to the corner and drop, and it says the name of the passenger off. So he pulls over to the corner where the radio station is, and um, and the app goes, leave Noam off on the corner, right? And there was just this moment I could see in his eyes of recognition because he clearly he listens all day. He says he hates the radio station, but he knew every single thing about it. And he kind of smiled at me and I kind of smiled at him and I closed the door and I went on my way. But just one of those funny moments. All right, let's get into the headlines. The top five at five. Migrants racing to the southern border as Title 42 ends. George Santos says he's done no wrong. Donald Trump takes on CNN and talks to voters. 
Mayor Adams has more to say about the subway chokehold death. And what's up with summer rentals down at the Jersey Shore? All right, let's get into it. 503 will start out on Long Island where Congressman George Santos surrendered yesterday to face federal charges, fraud, money laundering, theft of public funds, false statements. The list goes on and on. Pleading not guilty during this 10-minute arraignment, released $500,000 bond after surrendering his passport. Santos says his indictment on federal charges is a witch hunt. You have Joe Biden's entire family receiving deposits from nine, nine family members receiving money from foreign from foreign destinations into their bank accounts. Santos's lawyer by his side says the charges against his client are pretty serious. The government comes after you. It's a serious case. So right. we have to take this serious. Uh, we have to look at, you know, all the evidence. Santos says he plans to return to D.C. today. He appreciates that so far House Republican leadership being patient with him and the legal process. I'm going to fight my battle. I'm going to deliver. I'm going to fight the witch. And I'm going to take care of clearing my name. And I look forward to doing that. So for now, Santos will be confined to New York, Washington, D.C. and places in between. But he may travel to other places, but he's going to have to get advance approval. He won't have to wear one of those ankle monitors charged now with of seven counts wire fraud three counts of money laundering one count of theft of public funds two counts of making materially false statements to the house of representatives the nassau county da and donnelly says this case against santos seems to be rock solid i don't think anything surprises me with george santos but i will say this it was a very well-run investigation the investigators involved in it left no stones unturned and it's the kia summer sticker sales event so give your friends something to look at like a b&b with an ocean view an endless field of wildflowers or a sunset that needs no filter make this a summer to share and save with a capable kia suv or powerful sedan see your local kia dealer or visit kia.com to learn more kia Movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. They uncovered more inconsistencies than we ever thought possible. The indictment says Santos induced supporters to donate to a company under the false pretense that the money would be used to support his campaign. Instead, he bought uh, luxury designer clothes. Uh, he paid off his credit cards. These are all the accusations. People in his district telling News 12 they're not surprised to hear about all of it. He just knew that he was a crook and a, he had his own agenda. I think it's a long time coming. I don't understand how he wasn't vetted to begin with and how he's not being thrown out. Fellow Republican from Long Island, Nick uh, Lalota, again urging Santos to resign. Uh, you get the sense he's getting tired of talking about his fellow congressman. He says that these charges bring us uh, one stepper closer to never having to talk about. He called uh, George Santos a lying loser. He says he doesn't want to ever have to talk about this lying loser ever again. I came here to solve real problems, not to be distracted by this. 
Then you have the Democrats, of course, who have wanted him out since day uh, one. So have the Republicans, for that matter, out on Long Island. Meantime, uh, Robert Zimmerman, the uh, Long Island Democrat, Santos defeated last November, says now it's time for him to resign. Nassau County Republicans have been extremely critical of Santos, and they said they would not support him if he goes through with a reelection bid. WABC News Time 508, the other big, well, there's a number of big stories, but this is one of the bigger ones of today. Title 42 ends today. With it comes, yeah, more migrants, thousands of migrants already testing the limits of New York City's ability to take care of them all. Mayor Adams suspending some key city rules in the effort to try and stop some of this. Let's get the latest now from 77 WABC's Alex Barnard, who joins us live. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Noam. And yes, that's right. In an unprecedented move, Mayor Adams signed an executive order temporarily suspending parts of New York's right to shelter law. The move is seen as a measure to come to combat the influx of migrants as a surge is expected following the expiration of Title 42. Part of the order suspends the provision that requires the city to find beds for families with children on a nightly deadline. It would also give the city the power to place families in group settings like gyms instead of private spaces like hotel rooms. More than 61,000 migrants have arrived in the city in the past year, and between them and other homeless New Yorkers, Adams says the city has, quote, reached our limit. Additionally, the mayor's office said they were temporarily holding off on busing migrants to Orange County until legal and safety concerns are figured out. Rockland County Executive Ed Day has famously not been a fan of the mayor's plan. I have never seen such arrogance and such bulliness in my entire career in this government. I've never seen this. This is just unbelievable. Meanwhile, Manuel Castro, commissioner of the mayor's Office of Immigrant Affairs, says the plan may be among the city's only options. We're just trying to keep up with the with the search and what was available per discussions with the state and, and, and the vendors and so on. This all comes days after Governor Hochul declared a state of emergency ahead of the migrant surge. Yeah, uh, crazy. And uh, the sense is it's only going to get a little bit more madcap as more migrants make their way to the city over the coming weeks. That's right. It They say it may be as many as, I believe, a thousand a day for uh, at least in the beginning of this uh, overturning of Title 42. All right. WABC's Alex Barnard. Thank you very much. You wonder where they're going to put all these uh, people. And the same goes for down south where they're getting even hit a whole lot harder than we are here in the city border town bracing today for the end of Title 42. Immigrants are having a hard time with an app that helps them get an appointment to enter the U.S. legally. I have people do their app and they get an appointment like in three days. I'm like, what is it? I mean, I'm doing the same process. I just can't get an appointment. Yes, so if you haven't been following along, the COVID-era policy that has been used to quickly turn back migrants at the border for the last couple of years, it ends today because the pandemic is, well, essentially long over. Migrants apparently have been massing at the U.S.-Mexico border now, trying to cross into the U.S. The White House says the border is secure, but Republicans say the Biden administration has ignored this growing problem for too long. Uh, here was President Biden talking about it yesterday. I spent uh, close to an hour with, uh, with the Mexican president today. Uh, we're doing all we can. Uh, the answer is uh, it remains to be seen. Uh, we've gotten overwhelming cooperation from Mexico. Uh, we also are in the process of setting up res- uh, 
uh, offices in Colombia and other places where you can, where someone seeking asylum can go first. So, but it remains to be seen. It's going to be chaotic for a yep. while. Yeah, there you go, saying it's going to be chaotic for a while. Reporter Tom Lamas is at the border town of Juarez, Mexico, where migrants don't know where they'll end up next. We've been in El Paso. We've been in Juarez hearing absolutely horrible stories of people who've crossed through and now they're very confused about what's going to happen and what's going to happen in their future. Yeah, people, lawmakers along uh, in Texas, along the Texas border towns, one of them, Texas Republican Congressman Tony Gonzalez, says cartels have been feeding lies to the migrants. They're told without Title 42, they'll be allowed to cross and stay in the U.S. 150,000 people in Mexico headed towards the border. That's one of the numbers being thrown around. Several U.S. border cities declaring emergencies. El Paso federal officials rounding up those who crossed the border illegally and were not processed by Border Patrol. In the Del Rio sector, no one's really talking about it, but there's almost 2,000 folks in detention right now. Congressman Tony Gonzalez says the migrant detention centers in his border district just bursting at the scenes. So this thing's already ugly and it's going to get even worse. The head of Homeland Security, he's blaming Congress for the masses on the border. Our current situation is the outcome of Congress leaving a broken, outdated immigration system in place for over two decades. Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas uh, says smugglers lying to migrants about the end of Title 42. Migrants are told that with or without, they'll be allowed to cross and stay into the U.S. The feds, uh, meanwhile, launching this massive media campaign in Central America, showing the consequences of illegal immigration. It is also the result of Congress's decision not to provide us with the resources we need and that we requested. I mean, there's a lot of Republicans and some Democrats who would push back against that argument. Personnel, facilities, transportation that we have requested of Congress, we were not given. Texas Congressman Henry Cuellar says uh, they're fueled, uh, the migrants, by the end of Title 42, and he worries about his towns in Texas as well. I got a number from Border Patrol Intelligence, and I'd rather not give it out uh, because it's a large number. Yeah, they said it's just uh, a disaster waiting to happen. Back here, where, as you heard from Alex, many of the migrants may end up over the coming weeks. Could be as many as a 1,000 a day. You, you saw the mayor was trying to send some of these migrants to Hudson Valley towns, Rockland County, Orange County. Orange County Executive Steve Newhouse had said he wanted to know a whole lot more about the migrants that were about to be sent his way. Right now, we have no idea who these people are. We have no idea what their backgrounds are they criminals or are they just people trying to look for a better life, which is a typical immigrant story? Right now, we have no information. Yeah, so last night, got an update from the Orange County executive. He said uh, buses were set to show up there yesterday with migrants who were going to stay at a local hotel in his county. He said the buses did not show up. I am happy to say that for the time being, uh, no buses from New York City uh, with asylum seekers are coming. Uh, again, in the near future. Yeah, and Rockland County, of course, you have had uh, the executive there, Ed Day, saying over the days that he's not going to take any of these migrants as well unless he knows who they are, and even then he may not take them. We will continue to strategize and implement any and all legal actions 
that are designed to stop the forced transfer of migrants here that will compromise the suburban character of our county. No. All right. So meanwhile, New York City, as we've been telling you over the last coming uh, uh, last couple of days, trying to figure out where we're going to put all these migrants coming over the next couple of weeks. There's one thought they may close off some streets, put temporary housing up. Some of these migrants may go to school buildings that are empty. But either way, they're trying to figure this out because they're coming whether they like it or not. 515, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. Say good morning. Happy Thursday, Justin Ellick. Well, happy Thursday, no, Malayden. Friday Eve, if you will. The Knicks took care of business last night at the Garden, beating the Miami Heat 112-103 in Game 5 of their East Semifinal Series to keep their season alive and cut the series deficit to one game. Jalen Brunson was the best player on the court last night in a game where he really needed to be, dropping a game-high 38 points in his 48 minutes on the floor, including this big three-pointer in the third to give New York their largest lead of the night. Butler, Leaves it to Randall. The drive and kick. Grimes, extra. Brunson, got him. The kind of ball movement you saw at the Garden in the 70s. The Knicks have their largest cushion. That call courtesy of TNT. R.J. Barrett complimented his point guard nicely with his 26, while Julius Randle would add 24 en route to the huge Game 5 win. The job isn't even close to done for the Knickerbockers, though, as they still trail three games to two as the series shifts back to Miami for tomorrow night's Game 6. Elsewhere in the NBA, the Warriors stay alive, beating the Lakers 121-106 to to pull within a game of L.A. in that West semifinal series. And now, both the Mets and the Yankees were victorious on the diamond yesterday. The Yanks completed their sweep of the Oakland A's with an 11-3 win in the finale, complete with rookie shortstop Anthony Volpe's first career grand slam. They get ready now for a huge four-game set with the first place Tampa Bay Rays in the Bronx, set to begin tonight at 7.05 p.m. with Domingo Herman getting the start against Tampa's Drew Rasmussen. And out in Cincinnati, the Mets snap their three-game skid thanks to a vintage Justin Verlander shoving on the mump. That led to a nail-biting 2-1 to one W over the Reds. They'll see if they can keep it going for a series win uh, in the finale this afternoon at 12.35 p.m. What's with these 12.35 p.m. starts? I, I really don't know what that's all about. but It's perfect for us. Yeah, I guess. I mean, well, not really. I'm still here. I can't oh, watch again. Sorry. So I couldn't watch the Yankee game yesterday, no. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Kodai Senga is set to take the hill in that one against Cincy's Derek Law. And on the ice tonight, the Devils, they're out in Carolina for Game 5 against the Hurricanes. That puck drop is set for 7 p.m. with Carolina currently up 3-1 to in the series. So the Devs trying to stay alive. Here with sports on 77 WABC. I'm Justin Ellick. WABC News Time 520. Donald Trump on CNN last night. A town hall. The thought, my guess, on the part of Donald Trump is if he were to get the GOP nomination and make it to the final race for 2024, he's going to have to peel off some people in the middle to win, right? And some of those people in the middle watch things like CNN. So Trump uh, taking part in this place, uh, in this town hall that was held up in New Hampshire last night. Why should Americans put you back in the White House? Here was Donald Trump last night. Why should Americans put you back in the White House? I just asked that question. Because uh, we did fantastically. We got 12 million more votes than we had in, uh, as you know, in 2016. Uh, I actually say we did far better in that election. Got the most uh, that anybody's ever gotten as a sitting president of the United States. Uh, I think that uh, when you look at that result and when you look at what happened during that election, uh, unless you're a very stupid person, you see what happens. A lot of the people, 
lot of the people in this audience, and maybe a couple that don't, but most people uh, understand what happened. That was a rigged election, and it's a shame that we had to go through it. It's very bad for our country. All over the world, they looked at it, and uh, they saw exactly what everyone else saw. There was a pushback to the rigged election idea, uh, the uh, asking uh, Donald Trump if he would acknowledge that he lost in 2020. Can you publicly acknowledge that you did lose the 2020 election? Let me, let me just go on. If you look at True the Vote, they found millions of votes on camera, on government cameras, where uh, they were stuffing ballot boxes. So with all of that, I think it's a shame that what happened, I think it's a very sad thing for our country. Uh, CNN host uh, Caitlin Collins was the one who was hosting this town hall last night. She had a couple back and forths with the former president. The reason it's ending is because the health policy, the COVID era pandemic emergency. She's talking about the end of Title 42. Is coming to an end. That's what Title 42 was. You put it in place because That's of COVID. True, but you when have... it comes to big questions about what your immigration policy would look like if you are reelected, some of your Republican rivals have criticized you for not fulfilling the promises that you made on the campaign trail, like finishing the border wall. So how did voters know that you would get those done if you're reelected? I did finish the wall. I built a wall. I you built hundreds of miles of wall and I finished it. And then I said, we have to build some more because there are areas like water going through a dam. There are some areas where a lot of people are coming. You close up one and they come into another. All right. A little bit of the uh, Donald Trump on CNN last night. It'll be way more interesting at 8.05 this morning when Sydney gets his chance with Donald Trump. So make sure you tune in at 8.05. Way more interesting what they were doing on CNN last night. Am I right about that, Sydney? Right I, I am right. See, sometimes I am. 5.23. Longtime columnist E. Jean Carroll says her goal has been accomplished following the verdict in her civil case here in lower Manhattan against former President Trump. Carroll says that she was never concerned about the amount of damages that were going to be awarded, which right now is about $5 million. And you also at one point said you didn't come to the, go to the police earlier because it felt shameful. Is, is there any part of you that blamed yourself for having this go on so long? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I bl- blame myself. <laughs> After it happened hourly, I blame myself hourly. I was too ashamed uh, to even think uh, what a stupid thing I did. Uh, but now I feel... I said the Today Show, but it was actually a Good Morning America with George Stephanopoulos. I only decided to come forward and tell what happened. Uh, I thought that was enough. And... Um, then he said terrible things about me, dragged me through the mu- ground, my face in the dirt. It was horrible. And so I talked to Robbie Kaplan and Robbie and I brought lawsuit against Donald Trump. Donald Trump's lawyer, Joe Tacopina, on with sit in friends in the morning yesterday, not yet committing to an appeal of the case. But of course, they are talking about it. 524 Democrats brushing off the House Oversight Committee's investigation into the Biden family's business dealings. Did you watch this press conference yesterday? We played part of it right here, 77 WABC. Kentucky Republican James Comer claiming that the Biden family and its associates received millions of dollars from foreign entities while Joe Biden served as vice president in the Obama administration. Instead of being with honest with the American people, President Biden has claimed since the 2020 election that his family has not received money from China. That was a lie in 2020, and he continues to lie to the American people now. The Bidens have received millions of dollars from China. It is inconceivable that the president did not know it. 
The White House refuses to correct the president's statements, showing the president is now using the federal government to run interference for his families and his own role in these schemes. Now I want to say a few remarks about the developments last week. A week ago, I sent a subpoena to the FBI. Democratic uh, caucus uh, chair says um, that it's hard to look at anything the committee is doing with a straight face. He thinks it's all nonsense. But Comer says he does have evidence. I don't think anyone in America who's watching C-SPAN or any other network that's covering this would think that it's just a coincidence that nine Biden family members have received money uh, for this influence peddling scheme. I mean, what what, as as Representative Jordan and, and the other speakers that what? business is there you know, the, the media has always said two things the first of all the media has said uh, many in the media have said that no transactions happened while joe biden was vice president we've proven that wrong joe biden said during 2020 that his family never took any money from china today we've proven that wrong and you have it in your memorandum the the bank transfers democrats in the house skeptical of the allegations questioned why the committee's not interested in taking look at the transparency and accountability in the supreme court they're referencing recent reports that justice clarence thomas took undisclosed gifts from a republican mega donor i'm just getting started on this thursday morning president biden was in valhalla up in uh, westchester yesterday we'll tell you what he was doing there he was also in midtown manhattan we'll get to that before the morning is out mayor adams may Making more comments about the deadly chokehold incident on the subways. We need to help a Brownsville, Brooklyn family find the creep who ran down their daughter, eight years old, and then just drove away. And the uh, heartbreaking update, and it is one, with to that East New York fire we told you about that took the life of a mother and two of her daughters, it could have been prevented, no longer considered suspicious. We'll get into that and more, but first this at 530. The 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden on 77 WABC. Talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. This is the 77 WABC News Hour with Noah Layden. Yep, that's me, 532. Good morning. It is Thursday, May 11th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunny and warm today, the high 84. Tonight, overnight clear, low 63. Friday, it'll feel like summer again. Sunshine High 87. If you are walking out the door with us right now, so happy you are. 51 and clear out in Patchogue on Long Island. 47 and clear in Frenchtown, New Jersey. And it is 55 and clear here in Midtown. We'll start this half hour up in Valhalla in Westchester County, where President Biden was yesterday, warning Americans of what's at stake if Congress fails to pass a debt ceiling hike and the U.S. defaults on its debt including 400,000 New Yorkers alone. Our economy would fall under... Yeah, let's try playing that again so you can hear the whole thing. Eight million Americans would lose their jobs, including 400,000 New Yorkers alone. Our economy would fall under recession. And our international reputation would be damaged in the extreme. He was at SUNY Westchester Community College. The president accused what he called, and he uses this a lot, extreme MAGA Republicans of holding the economy hostage as Republicans are demanding these deep spending cuts in exchange for their votes to increase the nation's borrowing limits. They're literally, not figuratively, holding the economy hostage by threatening to default on our nation's debt, debt we've already incurred. 
21 million people at risk of losing Medicaid, cut federal law enforcement officers, cut 30 million veterans health care visits. Republicans, Democrats met this week at the White House. It was interesting that uh, Kevin McCarthy, the Republican House Speaker, left that meeting saying nothing got done, while President Biden left that meeting saying we're closer to getting something done. I imagine the two sides will meet again soon. While we're up in uh, that neck of the woods in the Hudson Valley, just an awful story coming into us uh, this morning. It happened yesterday, though. A one-year-old baby girl found dead inside a family's car, Rockland County, after she had been left unattended for several hours. The infant found by officers in Spring Valley. This was around 4.30 yesterday afternoon. The girl uh, has not been identified, didn't tell us who she was, but found in a vehicle, Ridge Avenue. It appears she had been there for hours, pronounced dead at the scene. Not clear yet how the girl died. The medical examiner will determine that cause of death. 5.34, more uh, tragic news. Maybe you can help this Brownsville, Brooklyn family out. They're desperately looking for the person who hit their 8-year-old daughter on Monday and then raced off. Kashawn Williams says his 8-year-old daughter, Kamaya, was walking home from the uh, Carter G. Woodson Park when she was hit by that car on Monday. She suffered a broken pelvis, a broken hip, a broken leg. She has a a concussion now as well. Nobody can ever feel their child in that position. She was left there in the street in a pool of blood, and I was holding her. Whoever you are, come forward. Uh, Give yourself up. You know, this is a, a heinous crime. I'll ask the obvious question. You hit a kid and then drive off. I mean, that is amazing. Kamaya Williams' body thrown into the air, slammed back down onto the ground, onto the street. Cops say the driver was on Sutter Avenue. They were in a gray sedan, then fled immediately after the crash. Come forward. And you hurt my daughter and just do the right thing. The most hurtful thing you, you can imagine, like... Your daughter there in pain. As a father, I'm their protector. There's nothing I could do. Yeah, the NYPD, they're good. They'll find this guy eventually. Kamaya Williams remains in the hospital. The family asking anyone with any information to call the cops. 536, Mayor Adams giving his first substantial comments on Jordan Neely's chokehold death. Uh, they t- gave these comments yesterday. Uh, Neely died more than a week ago on the subway after witnesses say he was harassing passengers. Here was the mayor yesterday. Jordan Neely did not deserve to die. The circumstances surrounding his death are still being investigated. And while we have no control over that process, one thing we can control is how our city responds to this tragedy. Adams would not comment about whether he believed the Marine veteran who held Neely in a chokehold should be charged. Instead, he said he was going to focus on reform and how to better support the city's homeless and mentally ill. As we've heard about Jordan Neely, he had 42 or 42 three contacts with mental health professionals in the city, yet he was still out on the streets. I have directed our city government to do all they can to help those who are suffering 
from serious mental illness. You had some city council members who were hoping for tougher talk from the mayor. They wanted him to suggest that that Marine be indicted. That did not happen. We can't be a city where you could choke someone to death who's experiencing a mental health crisis without any consequence. Yeah, the thought is from uh, the Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg that a grand jury is going to make a decision, take up this case. It was supposed to happen this week, but so far we've had no word whether that has actually happened. WABC News Time 539. Let's go out to Brooklyn. A heartbreaking update to a deadly fire at a home, East New York. The city's medical examiner confirming yesterday that a third person has died. A 10-year-old girl, a 36-year-old woman and her two daughters dead. Four surviving members are hospitalized, including a pair of critically injured children. The FDNY initially thought this fire had been purposely set. It is very sad. Very great family, very respectful family, very nice family. So investigators had described the Tuesday fire as suspicious after finding an accelerant. But yesterday there was an update about the 37-year-old man in the home, the husband of the woman who died, and the father of the children. Police say the man told them he had chemicals in the home and was assembling vape dispensers, which may have been sold at a family-run store, which is about a block away. He had burns to his hands. Now the thought is that it was accidentally set as he was trying to do some work early in the morning, I guess, ahead of work. Uh, so far, and maybe there won't be, no charges have been filed. And we go from that tragic story to just another one. They'll go out to uh, New Jersey, where a man hit and killed by a New Jersey transit train at the Short Hill Station in Milburn. Trains on the Morris and Essex line were delayed for a while yesterday. The identity of the man not made, immediately made available. Some people who ride the rails there say this uh, happens every once in a while. Maybe this person was committing suicide. Nobody knows for sure. Yeah, you know, it's just a tragic event. And, you know, I I pray for the family. Uh, Anybody in the community that needs help uh, should reach out. You just have to be mindful. There's been a history of uh, tragic events, uh, both at this train station and at at Milburn train station. Of Of course, it's incredibly tragic for the family of the person who was hit. It's also uh, incredibly tough for the person who was uh, at the controls of that train. There were also 20 passengers on board that train at the time. Uh, None of them were hurt. Nobody on the train was hurt. But um, again, not immediately clear how the victim got onto the tracks. 542, a New Jersey family member now charged first degree murder. After two bodies were found last month in a home in North Jersey, the Union County prosecutor says uh, Every Morrison used an axe to kill his 45-year-old sister-in-law, Keisha Morrison, and his 9-year-old niece, Kelsey, at their home in Roselle. This was days after he was told that he could no longer live in the basement at the home. Uh, this story, uh, we were all over when it first broke out, and I can tell you that Keisha Morrison, the mom, had let her brother-in-law stay in the basement because he was down and out. And she had let him stay for a while, more than a year, But then he had, I guess, been acting in an erratic way, and she asked him to leave, and that's when he took this axe out. I mean, it's just horrendous. He wrapped them up in their bed sheets, stuffed them underneath my niece's bed. The child's aunt, Natasha Scott, there says the victim's bodies found uh, wrapped in blood-soaked sheets that were stuffed under the child's bed, a bloody axe uh, recovered in the bedroom. Every Morrison, who's 44, was arrested in Maryland after he actually left the scene 
in his sister-in-law's car. It's like a Lifetime movie. We don't feel as though it's real. I feel like I'm in the Twilight Zone right now. Yeah, I bet you do. 543, family, friends, Suffolk County police getting help now from volunteers in the search for that missing boater on the Great South Bay. 20-year-old James Jarosnik, his boat crashed when it hit a wave on the Great South Bay. This was 4.30 on Sunday afternoon. He's been missing now, well, it's four, four days, right? James Jarnick's father, Joe, says that a volunteer search and rescue team from Pennsylvania has boats out on the Great South Bay looking for his son. I mean, how great is that? I mean, they're just, they drove, they took their boats up there on their own and they're searching for his son because the official search has been called off. So here's the dad talking about it yesterday. I've been my son's father for 28 years. In the three days that I've met the people that he's touched their lives, I've learned so much about him that I never knew. And it um, just makes me prouder, you know. So I wish I could speak with him and tell him that. Yeah, that's the uh, father talking to News 12. Uh, He's just bowled over by the fact that these people just show up to could take part in this search. Complete strangers joining the search, including retired members of the FDNY with drones and people from the South Shore communities who showed up with binoculars, uh, sonar equipment. This was all taking place yesterday. I mean, the thought is, is that he's no longer alive now, maybe a search for his body. But of course, you know, if that's the case, the father wants to bring home his son. The family says they'll continue their search for uh, Joe uh, James Jarznik, uh, or Joe rather, Joe Jarznik, until uh, his body is found. All right, 545. Let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk, and here's Justin Ellis. Thank you, Norm Lade and the Knicks. They took care of business last night at the Garden, being the Miami Heat 112 to 103 in Game 5 of their East Semifinal Series to keep their season alive and cut the series deficit to one game. Jalen Brunson was the best player on the court last night in a game where he really needed to be, dropping a game high. 38 points in his 48 minutes on the floor, including this big three-pointer in the third to give New York their largest lead of the night. Butler, Leaves it for Randall. The drive and kick, grinds extra. Brunson, got him. The kind of ball movement you saw at the Garden in the 70s. The Knicks have their largest cushion. That call courtesy of TNT, R.J. Barrett complimented his point guard nicely with his 26, while Julius Randle would add 24 en route to the huge Game 5 win. The job, it ain't done, though, for the Knicks, as they still trail three games to two as the series shifts back to Miami for tomorrow night's Game 6. Elsewhere around the NBA, the Warriors, they stay alive as well, beating the Lakers 121-106 to to pull within a game of L.A. in that West semifinal series. And on the diamond, both the Mets and Yankees were victorious. The Yanks completed their sweep of the Oakland A's with an 11-3 win in the finale, complete with rookie shortstop Anthony Volpe's first career Grand Slam. They get ready now for a ginormous four-game set with the first-place Tampa Bay Rays in the Bronx set to begin tonight at 7.05 p.m. with Domingo Herman getting the start against Tampa's Drew Rasmussen. And out in Cincinnati, the Mets snapped their three-game skid thanks to a vintage Justin Verlander shoving on the bump that led to a nail-biting 2-1 victory over the Reds. They'll see if they can keep it going for a series win in the finale this afternoon at 12.35 p.m. Kodai Senga set to take the hill against Cincy's Derek Law. And on the ice tonight, the Devils with their backs against the wall in Game 5 against the Carolina Hurricanes. That puck will drop at 7 p.m. Eastern time with Carolina currently up 
3-1 in the series. Here with sports on 77 WABC, I'm Justin Allen. Let's catch you up on some of the biggest headlines of the morning. Congressman George Santos surrendering yesterday, facing federal charges, fraud, money laundering, theft of public funds, false statements. It goes on and on. He pled not guilty during this 10-minute arraignment, was released $500,000 bond after surrendering his passport. He says his indictment on federal charges a witch hunt. You have Joe Biden's entire family receiving deposits from nine nine family members receiving money from foreign from foreign destinations into their bank accounts. Santos's lawyer says the charges against his client are pretty serious. The government comes after you. It's a serious case. So right. we have to take this serious. Uh, we have to look at, you know, all the evidence. The Republican congressman plans to return to D.C. today, says he appreciates that House Republican leadership is being patient with the legal process and with him. I'm going to fight my battle. I'm going to deliver. I'm going to fight the witch. And I'm going to take care of clearing my name. And I look forward to doing that. So here's what we know so far. Santos will be confined to New York, Washington, D.C., and places in between. He may travel to other places, but he'll have to get advanced approval. Doesn't have to wear one of those uh, ankle monitoring bracelets. Charge seven counts, wire fraud, three counts of money laundering, one count of theft of public funds, two counts of making materially false statements to the House. Uh, Nassau County DA Ann Donnelly says the case against Santos rock solid. I don't think anything surprises me with George Santos, but I will say this. It was a very well run investigation. The investigators involved in it left no stones unturned and they uncovered more inconsistencies than we ever thought possible. The indictments of Santos induced supporters to donate to a company under the false pretense that the money would be used to support his campaign. Instead, he allegedly used the money for personal expenses, including luxury designer clothes and to pay office credit cards. People in his district saying oh, they're not too surprised by all this. We just knew that he was a crook and a he had his own agenda. I think it's a long time coming. I don't understand how he wasn't vetted to begin with and how he's not being thrown out. Fellow Republicans like Long Island Republican Congressman Nick uh, Lalota urging Santos to resign says these charges bring one step closer to never having to talk about. And he says he calls Santos a lying loser. I came here to solve real problems, not to be distracted by this. The other big story of the uh, morning title 42 ends today could mean thousands more migrants heading right here to New York City. A bigger mess, of course, down at the U.S. southern border. Border towns bracing for what might come today. Immigrants say uh, they're having a hard time with an app that helps them get an appointment to enter the U.S. legally. I have people do their app and they get an appointment like in three days. I'm like, what is it? I mean, I'm doing the same process. I just can't get an appointment. So the COVID-era policy, Title 42, has been used to quickly turn back migrants at the U.S.-Mexico border. That's what's ending today. So migrants apparently massing at the U.S.-Mexico border now trying to cross in. The White House says the border is secure. Here's the president yesterday. I spent uh, close to an hour with with the Mexican president today. Uh, We're doing all we can. Uh, The answer is uh, it remains to be seen. Uh, We've gotten overwhelming cooperation from Mexico. Uh, We also are 
in the process of setting up resi- uh, uh, offices in Colombia and other places where you can, where someone seeking asylum can go first. So, but it remains to be seen. It's going to be chaotic for a while. A reporter Tom Yamas in the border town of Juarez, Mexico, this morning, where migrants don't know where they will end up next. We've been in El Paso. We've been in Juarez, hearing absolutely horrible stories of people who've crossed through, and now they're very confused about what's going to happen and what's going to happen in their future. So the thought is, could be a thousand migrants a day coming to New York City. It's just really not clear. Uh, Mayor, you may remember from earlier this week, wanted to send some of those migrants to the Hudson Valley because he says they're overwhelmed here in the city. Last night, Orange County Executive Steve Newhouse uh, gave an update, said uh, the buses they thought were going to arrive yesterday did not. I am happy to say that for the time being, uh, no buses from New York City uh, with asylum seekers are coming uh, again in the near future. Yeah, either way, just a mess at the U.S. southern border. Of course, we'll follow that uh, right here, 77 WABC. 554, let's bring it back to New Jersey. And what's kind of a strange story, cops investigating the theft of a French bulldog named Enzo that is being held for ransom apparently today happened at an apartment complex in Woodbridge, New Jersey. The dog's owner, whose name is Xavier, says um, he was having a dog play date, (laughs) which is just funny in itself, but having a dog play date with other dogs when one of the dog owners convinced uh, him to come back to his apartment. And that's apparently where he stole this guy's French bulldog right in front of him. He wanted to end up eventually having a play date with me because he had three French bulldogs. He states that we're going to go and pick up the dogs from Jay's mom's apartment. And they take their dog out. I take my dog out. They start playing again in the parking lot. That's when Jay walks up to one of the apartment doors and, like, pretends to fidget getting inside the door. And then so I turn around and I go inside my car real quick to tell my girlfriend that as I'm doing that, they snatched my dog up, jumped in their car and sped off. Yeah, I mean, I would be outraged. Um, The uh, five-month-old Enzo now being held for ransom. And this dope, this guy who stole the dog is actually sending text messages to Xavier saying, you can get him back, but you got to pay me. He asked me for $8,000 or he threatened to kill my dog or either kill my dog or ship my dog off to Virginia. Yeah, those dogs go for thousands of dollars. It's one of the most popular breeds right now. Police involved, but so far they haven't been able to track down this guy who stole the dog. While we're talking dogs, the top dog at the Westminster Kennel Club show celebrated in Central Park yesterday. The best in show winner, Buddy Holly, got a royal treatment during the annual Champions Lunch. They do this every year at the Tavern on the Green. He's just an awesome, awesome dog. He's a PBGB through and through. Every characteristic for the breed that we want, he's got. So, he showed his little heart out last night. He was uh, fed gourmet chicken as he uh, posed for pictures uh, with the cameras. And there were were a lot of them there yesterday. TV personality Dr. Phils has been at the Oklahoma State Capitol rallying for a death row inmate. His name is Richard Glossop. When I really dug into it, it was very, very unsettling. And... The fact that it involved an Oklahoman really hit home to me. Dr. Phil is from Oklahoma. He says um, that Glossop uh, is uh, should be has been removed from death row. And he says there may not be anything to the case that he killed his boss years ago. He's been on death row for 25 years. Dr. Phil says he should be taken off. There are only two ways justice is going to happen here. That's either a fair trial or they just decide not to retry him and send him home. 
Either way, there's no justice until he goes home. And finally, uh, real estate brokers wonder if inflation is the reason lots of summer rentals are still available in popular beach towns like Belmar, Lavalette, Brigantine, and Wildwood. There are more options. First time I've seen it in quite a few years. And we haven't booked yet. There's still some time. Yeah, that's Douglas Grisbaum. He's a broker in Ocean City. He says he's shocked. Peak rental times, they're still up for grabs. That's not usually what happens. There's some availability in middle of July and beginning of August, which, which never happened. Yes, yeah, so the rentals over the past three summers amid COVID were tough to grab as people wanted to stay close to home. But this year, right now, apparently, you might be able to score a pretty good deal on a summer rental.